welcome to the Sports and Stilettos podcast. Hello everyone, Rachel Hill here. Today on the podcast, we are joined by NFL Network's Taylor Bashotti. As the youngest signed NFL Network talent, Taylor has learned a few tips and tricks to being herself and handling the pressure at the network level. She also gives us an inside look into her normal work days and what she's been up to in quarantine. Here's Taylor. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Hopefully you're doing well in quarantine. Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. No, every time that I get these requests, I always love coming on. So thank you for thinking of me. What have you been doing? Obviously, things are kind of strange <laughs> right now and things are kind of starting to open up. So where you're at, have things started to open up? They definitely unprecedented times. I can't say I've ever, any of us have ever experienced anything like this, but things are starting to open up today. They're supposed to, at least. I just went on actually a walk down Abbott Kinney in Venice, which is usually one of the most crowded streets here, especially for like locals and tourists and everybody. It's always so crowded. And this, these last six weeks, I would say it kind of feels like you're in the walking dead because you step out onto the street and there's no cars. Like there's usually no parking. There isn't even a person that's parking on the side of the streets. Nothing is opened. All the shops have like the clothes out of the windows. So you can't, so nobody could go in and steal. Most of the restaurants are closed down except for pickup, obviously, or to go. So yeah, it's been very, very different. We had obviously a virtual draft this year in terms of work. And so that was, I, I will say it was so much smoother and so much better than I think that anybody could have anticipated or hoped for. It was cool the way that all the teams and general managers and coaches really rallied around in was on board with having as much fun with the virtual draft as possible as we saw how, you know, the Titans that they had Mike Brabel's kids were in the background. I don't know what they were doing, but it was cool to see the coaches and general managers just at their, at their homes and with their families. So they kind of made the best of, or the most of a bad situation. Belichick and his dog. I know Nike. It's such a funny, like that meme will forever go on too. I know people have just started just like the beginning of it and to see where it'll go will be so funny. I know he was actually was really witty the other day. He was doing something for the schedule release and they said, where's, where's Nike? Is he busy? Uh, is he busy tonight? Like how come he isn't on here? And he responded with, Oh, he's busy with a supplemental draft. So he's, <laughs> it was funny. It's fun to kind of like a breath of fresh air to see Bill having fun with, with questions as well. So yeah, I so feel like true. everybody's really done a great job of just kind of rallying around, like I said, like a tough situation and something that they had really never had to do before. Yeah, definitely. You know, I totally agree. And NFL schedules just dropped yesterday. Yeah. Uh, what game one, us all week one are you looking forward to? Hmm. There's so many good games. I think that I think that one team that I would say that everybody is just so excited to see this year, of course, is going to be the Bucks because of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski reuniting. Uh, one game that definitely jumped out to me was the Packers Bucks because Brady and Rogers really haven't played, played each other that many times. I think it's only been three times. So, or it's either they've played three times or this will be their third time playing uh, this upcoming season. So that that's a, that's one that I definitely have circled. So what were you doing for the schedule release? Cause obviously like I would assume you would technically be in studio most days. So what did you end up doing for it? So I was, lucky enough that I was just able to be a fan this year. Nice. <laughs> I mean, it, honestly, I missed, I missed not doing anything for it. The last couple of years, I've had a lot of fun uh, doing an NFL network Instagram takeover and uh, getting to interact with some of the fans and just kind of, kind of watching it all unfold with, with them and with everyone and being in studio and kind of listening to some of our former players and they're talking about it. But it was, it was, it was different watching it at home, but it was still, it was still good. We, they did four hours on NFL network. So some of our, or some of my co uh, like anchors and reporters and hosts, they have home cams. So they were able to still put on a great show. How much have you missed being in studio? I feel you know this is so funny because I kind of go back and forth. I'm sure we've all had those days where like, you're like, wow, I could really get used to quarantine. This is kind <laughs> of nice. You know, I'm getting stuff around the house. And then the next day you have a complete different outlook on things. You're like, this is awful. I'm so depressed. All I can do is eat and sleep and I have no energy. You know, like, so you go through these waves, you go through waves of being super productive and you go through waves of just feeling like kind of like a waste of space. Um, I've definitely gained a little bit of the quarantine 15. 
I've become a much better baker. I realize that I am just a terrible, I, I'm not very good at keeping the house tidy. So yeah, I mean, I feel like this whole, this whole process, this whole time off, you know, it is good. I think it's, it was good for everyone to kind of take a step back and put things into perspective and slow down and focus on themselves for a little bit, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely ready chopping at the bit to get back. Is there anything you've realized that you don't need? You know, sometimes when we're living such a fast paced lifestyle, we need things like having our nails done, our eyelashes done, a pedicure. Is there anything you feel like you've learned that you really just don't need like you thought you did? Hmm. I definitely do need my nails done. <laughs> they look like they went through a garbage disposal. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I definitely noticed that I am cooking a lot more and I'm less dependent and reliant on ordering out as much and just going obviously out as much. And I've definitely noticed a difference in how much money I'm able to save by cooking at home. And I, I honestly feel so much better when I'm eating my own food. Of course, there's always those exception days where you want something from a great local spot, but it has been nice to kind of just learn that I can cook more than I ever gave myself credit for. Do you think that you'll be able to keep it up once you go back? Because I know you have a crazy hectic schedule. I I hope so. I, I try and I try and cook at least three days a week. Um, but it, it's I feel like it always kind of falls into the category of like you have like a friend's birthday dinner or something like that. And so sometimes you're not even necessarily dying to go out, but you end up going out. But I am going to try and make a cognizant effort to cook like five days a week, Monday through Friday, just try and stay in, cook at home and, and save a little bit of money, eat healthier. So, so true. I want to ask you, what is a normal day like for you when you are working? So when you first wake up, what is kind of the layout of your day? So I am a very early riser. If I don't have to be, I usually have to be into the studio by seven or seven thirty unless it's Sundays during the season, then that's like six o'clock. But um, I love to wake up around 545 and either I'm lucky I live really close to a few really great coffee shops or Starbucks. And I like to go for like, they're about a half mile away. And if I can force myself to get out, I usually get always get up early, but if I can get myself out of the house and go on a walk to grab coffee and a breakfast sandwich, I love doing that. Um, or I'll try and just wake up early, read the news, read what kind of happened overnight and make breakfast at home. I just feel like that's like kind of when I'm most productive is when everybody else seems to be asleep and I'm able to kind of knock things out like most efficiently. Then I usually get into studio around seven or seven 30 and go into hair and makeup. And so during hair and makeup, I always am continuing to go through the news. Everything's usually really developing by that time because, East coast time, it's 1030. So obviously I'm on Pacific coast, uh, time. And so basically while I'm in hair and makeup, I'm working the entire time and kind of writing scripts for news updates. And how and long then, are you in hair and makeup typically? About 45 minutes to an hour. So not too bad. And then I'll go with the wardrobe and change really quickly. And either sometimes some days, like three or four days a week, we have a fantasy show. So some days I'll run straight over to the other set and go, tape our fantasy league one show or if I don't have that then I'll go straight to the newsroom and start uh just continuing to write and touch base with my producer and then go over just kind of the news of the day what we feel like we should lead with what we should talk about and then I'll go in and I'm definitely very OCD about making sure that I try not to read anything that anybody else has ever written just because I feel like it just doesn't come out as natural and authentic and organic it's like when you're reading your own writing. So I definitely make sure to go through and rewrite if there's something in there and write it myself just because I just know that it will come out better that way. And then I'm pretty much on the news desk from 12 until, or gosh, gosh 11, 11 o'clock until four o'clock. And then four o'clock is when total access goes on. And that's when I'm off. And so every day is different in terms of like how many, how often we're going on. It all just kind of depends on on news. So there's days where I'll have six, I'll be going on six times a day. There's days where I'll go on, you know, eight to 10 times a day. It just, it all depends on kind of what's going on. And so that's kind of the element of the surprise element of surprise. You never really know what you're going to get, but it's so important to just kind of stay on top of your stuff. And even if you don't feel like it's a busy day, just to kind of know what's being talked about rumors. I know that we never report on rumors, but it's just good to know kind of what you could potentially be talking about. 
And then some days I also have my own show, which is called In Case You Missed It, All 32. And if I have that, then I'm usually in super, super early because we'll try and record the show. It's an hour long show and we'll try and record the show starting at 8 a.m. So I'm usually in hair and makeup at like 6, 6.30. So yeah, every day is different, but it's it's pretty much really early in and then I'm off around four o'clock. So it's not, it's not a terrible schedule and it always goes by so fast. Yeah, that's probably true. I can't honestly give you major props for waking up before 6am because I am the opposite. I am very good at staying up late and not waking up early. So I used to be that way. It's so funny. Like after, I I think it was like when I hit college, which sounds really odd that I became this way in college, but I, during the week, I just loved waking up when nobody else was awake. And then I am such an early bird. Like I have to force myself to wait to, especially when I'm eating at home, like wait and eat dinner at five 30. Cause I like, I'm always starving by five because I get up so early. I get up at like five, five 15 AM and that's when I have breakfast. So I usually have a couple of breasts, <laughs> but so yeah, I just, I love going to bed. During the week, I'm pretty good about not going out too much though. I really, I just don't enjoy it. Like I feel stressed unless it's, unless it's a friend's birthday or if it's an event that I need to go to. But I usually try and save going out for like Thursday nights and then Friday nights. I'll obviously stay up late because I'm excited that it's Friday and all my friends are out. But yeah, during the week, I really go. I'm, I am feel like a grandmother. Like I go to bed so early. Like I get so excited to get in bed at 8 p.m. It's 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 bizarre. <laughs> are there any shows you've been watching while kind oh my of gosh, dealing with so the, all this time of being at home? So many shows. It's funny. My uh, my roommate, one of my friends, she never saw the show Damages. So she's been binging that. And she's also been binging Handmaid Tale, but I had already seen both of those too. I'm trying to remember what were my early quarantine shows. Um, Ozark, of course, that was amazing. I'm watching that currently. So it's so good. I actually think the season was better than uh, the first or the second. Okay. So yeah. I'm still in season one. So yeah, we're kind of just slowly getting into it. But it's Ooh, stressful. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. It is. It is stressful. And it's a little bit graphic, like sometimes, yeah. but I enjoy it. It's fun. I, I tell my boyfriend all the time, I'm like, I don't know if we can watch like more than two episodes is like the max. Cause you just know, like one thing after the other is going to happen. And you're just like, I'm so stressed out watching the, the acting thing. In it is so, so good. It, everything is very believable. And the storylines, like the writing, it just, it's all very well done. That's so true. Uh, but I also want to touch on before you went to NFL network, you were doing some freelancing. I was. So I was an accounting major and I was about to graduate. I was sitting in class in April. So like not far from this time, like five years ago. And I'm thinking how on earth am I going to like the next five years were going to be mapped out for me. I was going to go back to school, get my master's of accounting. Um, and I'm just think, sitting there thinking like, I don't even enjoy this. Like why, why am I doing this? So I literally sat in class is like the, like major accounting firms were coming in to kind of speak with us. And, you know, of course, everyone is telling us, why they're the best and like the best fit and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there not listening to a word they're saying, and I'm applying to every possible internship that I can find online. And there was the CBS affiliate in DC. They had a hard news internship that was open because somebody had dropped out and it was the 11 PM newscast. So obviously not ideal, especially when you're like doing a fun summer internship that we wouldn't even get off until midnight, especially for my hours too. Um, but I ended up just falling in love with it. And it was a blessing in disguise because I was able to go up to the sports department in the morning and then go out on sports stories with the sports department. If I was back for the morning meeting, cause the morning meeting is three 30 PM for an 11 PM newscast. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. I had amazing reporters that I went out with from the Kristen Bursett in sports to Mola Lange, who was in hard news. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I think my parents were thinking, Oh, wonderful. She'll go get, get it out of her system. She's not going to like this. This is, this is a perfect, perfect thing for her to just go realize that she doesn't want to do this. I came back the complete opposite and I almost stayed in DC and took a, um, a digital position with their sports department. But my parents were like, if you're going to do this, you need to go back to school. So I went back to school was, um, I shoved so many hours into one semester. And then I was working at the North, uh, news station in Northeast Georgia. And we were also doing a little bit of hard news and sports. And during that time, I also started working for ESPNU. They don't have that program anymore, but it was amazing. It was basically ESPN would send you a, microphone and a flag and you could 
go out and shoot, edit, write, report on different stories like G-Day at Georgia, which is like the spring game. I could go and report on that. And if they ended up liking the package, they would air it on their website. So I started doing that a bunch and got to know some of the guys there a little bit through that. And so then after school, I started, I, I t- did not go the local news route, which is a little bit different. Um, I took a chance by not doing that. And I don't really feel like there's really one way that you can go. There's not one path in this career. And so I decided to do a bunch of freelance. So I was a freelancer for uh, Bleacher Report, Sporting News, SEC Network. And it was a lot because you're shoot, you're shooting, writing, editing, reporting, doing everything. You're a one-man band. So it was, it was really hard. And I was doing that for about a year. So of course, you kind of go through that process where you're wondering, did I make the right decision? But I got the call right after the draft four and a half years, I guess, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, saying that they had a news update position open in LA for NFL Network. And I literally moved out here within a month. Right. That's a job you just don't pass up. Yeah. And I was so excited. And I still like, it was, it was like a dream come true. As for those freelancing jobs, though, like you were working with some big names in the TV industry. How did you get in contact with people to find those jobs? I was able to get in touch with SEC Network and ESPNU from working with them when I was still in college and just kind of shooting, writing, editing, being a one-man band by myself just for free, covering as much, like as many events at Georgia as possible, just because they do have such a great broadcast program and sports department. It was, it was a perfect fit. And I also always volunteered when they came to campus. So like if I knew that they were going to be coming to campus for um, signing day or whatnot, I would always be a runner. And so I was able to make some connections and network that way. And then when I was in D.C., I was able to make a few connections and actually one of the anchors there is Jan Jeffcoat and her husband's an agent. And so he kind of took, they both took me under their wing big time and helped. They, they knew a few people who ended up knowing a few people. I, I mean, I sent out my resume to so many different, so many different places uh, and just kind of built relationships that way. That was going to be my next question. Obviously you were the youngest talent for NFL network to be signed, but did you get a lot of no's before that? Oh my gosh. So many. I didn't know if a yes was ever going to (laughs) come. So many no's. And even when I was doing some freelance work, I was, I was coming up with so many pitches and 99 of them, I would get told no to. So there was definitely that period of just feeling so uneasy and wondering, well, should I have even gone into this? Should I have gone to local should I have gone a different route? Maybe I should have taken this job in DC. Maybe I should be covering, you know, you, you sit there and you question yourself and you wonder, oh gosh, I don't even know if I made the right decision, if this is ever going to happen. And so I think it's so important to just stay true to what you want to do and try and stay on the path and let it take you to different places. You know, I never thought that I was going to go cover women's soccer for SEC Network, but that's what I ended up covering. And you just, you kind of just roll with the punches and it doesn't matter how many no's preceded it. It only takes one yes. You've obviously developed in your role with NFL Network, obviously starting with just news updates and now your own show with In Case You Missed It All 32. Was that show your idea or did you bring that to a producer or did somebody bring it to you? It was a mix of both. So it's kind of changed a little bit over like from what, where it first started. From where it first started, I was only coming on a little bit and just kind of basically tossing. I'm now pretty much finding all the videos, doing all like the, any of the feature pieces that we kind of go off and do about the videos whenever any guests come in and come on the show. So it's really transformed the show into kind of my own, my own little baby. And so of course I'm very passionate about it and I wish that it was on more frequently, but I'll take what I can get. And I love doing it. (laughs) So it's, it's been nice to have your own, your own little thing. And then I've also done a podcast this year and that's not through NFL network. It's actually through blue wire. And it's with one of my become one of my really good friends here in LA. His name is Sam Batesh and he works on the herd with Colin Coward. He's a, he's one of his producers and that's also really helped. You know, you think that you feel like you're able to pretty much do everything. Like, you know, you go through ups and downs where you feel like you're, you've 
you're easy, safe sailing, easy sailing, you know, you've got it all. And then honestly, doing the podcast kind of helped me realize, okay, well, I could become so much more like eloquent in these certain areas, or I need to learn how to elaborate more because you do realize that radio and podcasts are a whole different, are whole different beasts. And so I do feel like it's definitely helped refine me. And you're also just constantly talking about topics and and debates and discussions and players and situations. And you realize that you can talk about it way more at length and you have much more liberty to really get in and dive in and hammer out a topic with, with Sam or whoever it might be, whoever our guest is. And it's, it's opened up this whole new world to me. So I really do love that. No, I think that's so funny you say that because since I've started up this podcast during this time of quarantine, I've noticed a lot about myself too. And I've slowed down more when I'm not on camera, you know, and things that can Mm -hmm. just help me in my broadcasting, but it's also nice not to have the time restriction. It's the time restriction. And also you're just, yeah, it's primarily the time restriction, I would say. And you just have much more freedom Mm -hmm. and people don't feel like the, your guests that you're talking to don't feel as stressed out. They feel like they can open up more. I don't know what it is, but when a camera is in somebody's face and they know that they're mic'd up, they just, they almost don't open up as much. And I feel like podcasts allow people to really dive deeper and uncover stories that might have never been told. I love listening to Howard Stern's uh, radio show. He's definitely a controversial figure, but (laughs) he's got such a niche and such, uh, he's one of the most talented interviewers I've ever, I've ever listened to. And so I I feel like I was able to relate to that a little bit more once I had the podcast because everything is so tight on TV and you're really just sticking to a 20 second hit, 30 second hit or whatever it might be. And you almost don't feel like you can tell everything that you really want to say and talk about and discuss. And so I truly, absolutely loved it. So I also love coming on podcasts. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. I listened to an interview that you said that you know, you really want to humanize these athletes because people look at them as such these huge stars and they are just normal people. But have you ever been starstruck by somebody? I think we all, I think we all get, I'm trying to think of somebody in particular who, who you get start, who I get starstruck by. And this sounds kind of corny and cliche, but it's true. It's always the players that go out and do so much in their communities. I look at a player like Calais Campbell or like Chris Long, who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro every, or he's climbed it three off seasons and raises money for uh, clean water in Africa. And he actually gives up his paycheck. So when you go out and you see, and you, when you become involved with some of these players and teams and you start getting to know them and their personalities, you truly do see how much good comes from, the NFL and what it does to a a community, what a player, the amount of impact that he can make on a town on one, you know, one sixth grade student, you look at somebody like Lamar Jackson and he, I mean, he has the whole city of Baltimore behind him. You look at even the players that aren't as known and it's, it's so incredible to see how much good comes from a sport and how much good these players with these platforms are able to do and able to give back. And some of these players are only 21, 22 years old themselves, and they're already starting their own foundation and finding ways to give back. And I wish that we were able to highlight that a little bit more because I feel like the stories that kind of get, you know, blasted and really put a lot of attention on are the ones that tend to be negative and there's only there's very few bad eggs and there's so many amazing people and players and they're humans too and they're just like you know they're just trying to make a impact in the world and so I I think that those are the guys that I really you know you kind of take a step back when you see them and when you're talking to them and you're you're in awe at how incredible and how great they are. On that other end, though, you do humanize them very well, I would say. And is there anything that you kind of remind yourself of, like, when the camera turns on, just to be like, these are normal people. Let's make them as comfortable as they can be. Yeah, I, I think it's it's different. I try to, and I feel like it's different in every situation. Uh, you know, like, sometimes you're doing 
remote interviews. So you're not even in the same room as the person. And so those are always tough because, you know, you can always get to know somebody so much better and you can kind of feel the energy and natural pauses aren't as harsh when you're in the same room with them because you can read their body language. But I just try and always just at least I try and like talk to them for a few minutes before the camera goes on. Of course, if you're on like a red carpet, it's really hard. Or if you're, if it's, you know, uh, just, it depends on the setting that you're in. If they're going through a gazillion of them, and you're, one in a gazillion, you're never going to be able to get that time with them beforehand, but I always try and make them hopefully feel comfortable. Would you say that it's hard to kind of keep up to date with all the news that's going on around you? I mean, you are covering so many teams, so many players, would you have, would you say that it's difficult at times? Yeah, I think that I, I it's different. It's difficult for me for sometimes getting to know all the players and yes and no. I mean, there's days where you feel like you're kind of grasping for straws for news too. Sometimes during the off season, especially this time of year, like I, you know, like up until June, I would say. We're kind of like, oh gosh, what are we going to talk about today? What are we going to talk about today? And those days tend to be harder than the days that there's tons of news going on. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a double-edged sword when there's tons of news going on. You know, you're just picking which stories to talk about, and you feel like there's there's so much to talk about. But then when there's nothing going on, you it's almost harder because you're trying to like change the lead and try and come up with something to talk about when there's really like football's just not happening then. What's your go-to for finding news? Is it texting people, talking to people on the phone, Twitter? Twitter. I would say Twitter, Roto World, PFT, NFL, uh, you know, talking to players because you develop relationships with the players and that's always, it's always easier, easiest that way. Um, but yeah, I think that Twitter is definitely the way that I get 99% of my news. How do you handle building those relationships? Because you know, I think it's easy sometimes for people to take it out of context when you're texting them or calling them. So how do you make sure to maintain that professionalism of, you know, being friends with them, but not crossing any boundaries that anyone would think? You know, Do you know what I say? I'm saying? Absolutely. And that's such a great question. And it's something that I have struggled with myself because I, especially when I first started NFL Network, I would intentionally never, ever try and do that. Like, even if I was friends with a player or I wouldn't even like, for example, Todd Gurley, I went to Georgia with him. And so even when I was covering the Rams, I was like, I don't even know if that's like proper or appropriate for me to like text him and let him know that I'm going to be at the facility that day. Like, I'd love to see him. Um, And now over, you kind of just like learn over time, like, especially you can, you, you kind of find out early on which players are just genuinely friendly, fun guys that want to be your friend and you feel like comfortable talking to. And you really don't, it's, it's, I don't know how to put this properly. It's very easy to ruin your reputation. Mm -hmm. And so it's always, I always err on the side of only really talking to and getting to know the players that I know want a friendly relationship. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Have you ever been in a situation where that wasn't the case? I hope that's not too personal for me to ask. No. Um, you know, you. I think it's important as like females to be very kind of straightforward and just say, oh, I don't feel comfortable answering that. You know, like you can, there's ways that I feel like just in terms, even in everyday situations in life, I feel like there's always ways that you you can make it known that that's just not something that you're willing to even like dabble in or kind of make them believe that that's a possibility you know like you just have to be straightforward and just say you know like I I'm very thankful for your friendship you know Mm -hmm. and then obviously if that doesn't work then maybe it's probably just best to not try and be friends with that person (laughs) (laughs) when you're texting players and I guess I'm trying to you know I'm trying to figure out the sports world too and Uh, I've got college athletes that are graduating and I've like built relationships with them through work, but obviously like you still want to be friendly and like see where their career goes and want to be that. It's easiest because 99.999% of the time it's um, the network or yourself reaching out to the PR teams of the, of the teams that players play for. 
So you become much closer with the PR departments because that's that's ultimately how you'll get the players. Okay, so definitely go through that instead of yeah. Like those are the most important relationships to build, I think. Okay, good good to know. Uh, social media though is huge. I don't know if you would ever consider yourself to be an influencer, but you definitely have quite the following on your social media pages. Is there anything that you feel like you've done to create your brand? Hmm, that's a good question because. I feel like there's always more that you can do. And I feel like I look at some people who have done an amazing job with it and they're just, they're able to just pick up their phone and talk about anything. And I I feel like recently in this quarantine, I've done a few interviews. I've done one with Hollywood Brown and then Juju Smith-Schuster. And speaking of somebody who does such a great job with it is Juju Smith-Schuster. He is just constantly on his phone, letting, engaging with fans and letting them letting them into his everyday life, whether he's having eggs for breakfast or if he's having, you know, he'll say, what's your favorite kind of cereal? And he just does such a great job with engaging with his fans. I don't feel like I have a fan base like that. So I don't feel like people would ever really want to know what I was eating for breakfast. Mm -hmm. But there is a fine line where I know that, you know, I'm so lucky that I get to be in situations where football fans want to be, which is like on the sidelines or around players or at practice. And so I, try and really deliver that content when I am there because it's something that if I wasn't there, I know that I would want to see it. I know you post a lot of outfits, which you have incredible style. So (laughs) major props to you. But do you ever feel like you've been afraid of being a quote unquote girly girl and posting a picture of yourself or posting a picture of your clothes? I used to be very uncomfortable with it. And I think just over time, you kind of, you kind of get, better at it because you start working with brands and you start, you know, wearing your favorite clothing. And then, you know, I, football is a huge female audience too. And so a lot of females want to know where, where you got certain outfits. And I always, I've always loved fashion and I feel like it's a way to express yourself and kind of your, I don't know, just like your own identity is able to come through, through fashion. And so just like with anything else, I think that there's a fine, like there's a fine line, you know, I would never wear like anything inappropriate or anything that I wouldn't want to wear on social media. Um, But I do feel like I am young. And and so there, it's a way to connect with fans. It's a way to connect with people that have similar interests. I saw one of your Uber Eats commercials, uh, IG videos, whatever you want to call it. And I noticed that you changed like three times in that uh, video. Is that a normal day for you? <sighs> well, that's one thing that this quarantine has made me realize that I, I don't know how I go through so much laundry. Like <laughs> I'm not doing anything during this quarantine. I, I leave the house like once to go for a walk or to go to the grocery store. And I somehow find myself changing like all day. And I don't know why I don't have anywhere to go. I think I just change around my house. I have no idea, <laughs> but I'm definitely a fan of jeans jean shorts and like white tees black tees definitely like the the basics because that's what I just wear the most and then I'm a big sweat like sweatshirt sweatpants girl when I'm at home what about in studio do you are you changing between sets and everything else it it, it like I definitely cater my outfits to what I'm doing so like if I'm doing in case you missed it all 32 I know it's like a full body look. And if I am just doing news updates for a day or if I'm doing the fantasy show, I know it's a full body look, but if I'm just doing news updates, I know that it's only from the waist up. And so I have a little bit of a advantage that day. And I actually wear slippers a lot to work. I wear slippers and jeans. And sometimes I'll even wear slippers and jeans underneath a dress because I know that I'm only getting shot from the waist up and I'd rather be comfortable. Right. Comfy. That's all that matters. Comfort's key. As my uh, I, dad always says, function over fashion. <laughs> there you go. That is a way to live life right there. Yeah, I can't even imagine wearing heels after this quarantine. Like, wh- why did we ever think that that was normal? <laughs> I'm so jealous of you because you get your hair and makeup done. I have not been doing that. And I'm like, oh, gosh, going back to doing it every day is going to be mm. brutal. I don't know. That's that's another thing that's like a double-edged sword because now I feel like I don't even know how to do it myself. Or like when I do do it, I'm like, gosh, why don't I look like I do when they do it? they're tricks man I just yeah they're they're like talented 
They <laughs> make me look wide awake when I am just dead. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys have done a lot of shooting content on the phones. So for a lot of young broadcasters who want to get into the industry, you know, a lot of people say shoot content on your phone. How or what advice do you have to making it look so professional and so good? And if there's any like tools that you use, because I know you're connecting microphones. Uh, are you doing that all through the phone too? Yeah. Um, There's several different ways to do it. I think it all depends. Uh, But for the most part, I'm just shooting it. Well, it it depends. Like, so if I'm doing NFL Network's Instagram stories, because we usually shoot just right outside and there's a very loud air conditioning vent right by where we shoot, I'll definitely mic up and they just, it plugs directly into the phone. But if I'm in a quiet area, it's really, phones are, I feel like 90% of my life because you're able to do everything just from this one thing and we're just shooting it where it's just raw sound going into the phone. It's really nice. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like technology. Have you enjoyed being able to just go out and do red carpet straight from a cell phone? Yes. And no, I love a, I love a camera more just because you are able to capture so much more. It's hard when you are like kind of limited by a cell phone. You don't feel like the audio is clear. You don't feel like the audio is good. You almost feel like you're yelling just to make sure that you can hear into the phone. So I definitely see the benefits of having like a camera and being mic'd up when it comes to that. Um, That's probably one of the only situations. I think that even going and talking to players after practice, like if you have interviews and just grabbing a phone, you're going to find that players are going to feel so much more comfortable in themselves talking into a phone because that's what they do a lot too. Mm -hmm. And so you almost get better content that way. So I see it as a big, big, big advantage there. For red carpets, how are you preparing and doing your research to sit and down and talk with players? Or is it kind of just knowledge that you have at this point that you just bring to the table? It's pretty, it's pretty much knowledge that you have at this point that you bring to the table and red carpets, you try and keep it light and fun. You know, you're not going to be grilling anybody about certain plays or, you know, anything super intense you you're kind of just wanting to see the human side of them and see them at an event and open them up and have a little fun so you want to truly just kind of keep it light and and make them feel comfortable and have as much fun as possible that I found that that usually gives you the best the best sound bites the best content and kind of like what people want to hear from a red carpet you've been to a lot of events the Super Bowl I've seen you at a lot of red carpets as well what's been your favorite event that you've ever been to I would say the Super Bowl every year. I also love NFL honors. Um, I feel like everybody kind of comes out for that event and it is such a unique, unique event, especially for somebody that, you know, covers football all season long. It's kind of similar to the SBs, but just for football. And you would dress would, up and wear a long dress yeah. and feel so pretty, right? Exactly. And it's, it's just, it's so well done. And I love watching the show. It's, it's funny. It's, it's it's great. We've they talked about allow, oh, they allow they allow the hosts to make fun of the coaches, make fun of the commissioner. You know, everybody just kind of is having a great time there. So I I've always I I love that event. I've talked a little bit about how you were the youngest to get hired on an NFL Network, and I feel like sometimes when you're going into a job, it can be a little bit of a negative thing to be one of the youngest. But what would you say is one of the big perks to being the youngest? Yeah. And I think, I think that that's a great question too. I think I will deal with that a little bit where, especially in the very beginning, I was so self-conscious, like, oh my gosh, I hope that, I hope that I'm going to be able to be everything that they want me to be. I hope that they don't think that I'm too young to be here. And, you know, you're constantly fighting that battle of like, you don't, you want to look older than you are. You want to come across older than you are. And now of course I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to come across any older. (laughs) Um, But I think that one of the biggest perks is that I do know how to do social media. And so I'm able to connect with players that way and connect with fans that way. And when I do have an interview, I can put it on my story. Like, Hey, I've got an interview coming up with this person. What do you guys want to know? And I think that my ability to reach that different demographic and that different audience that linear TV doesn't reach is one of the biggest advantages that I have. Do you have coworkers that ask you how to use stories or anything like that? Every once in a while. Yeah. 
every once in a while. And of course you always get like the ones that like make kind of like a snide comment about it. And you're like, you know, whatever, <laughs> look, I can't compete with you because you've been reporting so much longer than me and you're 10 times better at it. So, you know, we all have to have our own strengths, but you just can't let the, you can't let that kind of stuff bother you. I've realized you spend so much time worrying about everything that you aren't, you know, sometimes like I'm not old enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, you know, that I'm not veteran enough. You know, there's so many different areas where you always feel like you're never enough. If you just kind of start focusing on your own growth and your own journey and your own path, I've just noticed that I'm so much happier that way. And I think I'll probably grow to like the best of my ability that way as well. That's a really good way to put it though, just to you know, that we always do focus on the things that we're not and to just worry about ourselves and what we are good at and what we can bring to the table. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I, I I find myself needing to take my own advice still to this day all the time. So everybody to everybody that everybody's, you know, like, oh, I can't believe that you're in this position. I can't believe I'm in this position too, but it never feels like you've really, you still constantly feel like you're, you're, you're working for something more. And so it's important to kind of take a step back and realize in any, in any part of your journey to enjoy the journey and enjoy how far you've come. Even if you don't feel like you've come that far, I can promise you that if you looked back even three years from where you are right now, you'll see such, you'll see such big growth and appreciate, appreciate where you are. You are so young though. So what is the dream job? Are you in it right now or what's like your ultimate goal? Um, it's a good question. I'm definitely, I definitely want to do more. I would love to host a daily show. I'd love to, you know, do Sunday night football, Thursday night football, something like that. I'd love to, there's, there's so many different areas in which I would want to try and want to grow into. But one, one thing that we were just talking about is that I feel like it's important to also, rather than constantly want or worry, or wonder if you're going to get that next thing. Just enjoy where you are, work hard, try and be the best that you can, and everything else will fall into place. And if that was meant to be, then it'll happen. And if not, then there's going to be another door that's going to open up. So true. I love that as well. I also listened to another podcast episode featuring you, and you talked about how you're very good at getting in your own head if you mess up and how you can lay down at night and you can think about it over and over and over again. I am the exact same way. So is there (laughs) any tips you have for me to help me fall asleep a little bit easier at night even after I mess up? Uh, It's the worst. I I had one of those this year, actually. I was covering the AFC Championship uh, watch party in Nashville, Tennessee, and I had a really bad first hit right before I went on. um, And it was game day mornings. It was my first time going live on game day morning. And right before the first hit, it was, keep in mind, it was like 21 degrees outside with winds. And it it was so cold at the bottom of Broadway in that tunnel area. I truly could not feel my like mouth. I mean, you could see it on there. Like I can't feel my mouth, anything. My hands or feet are numb. Um, And right before I went on, my audio like messed up in my ear. And then the band behind me started playing. But like the people... I guess the audience or like the viewers couldn't tell that there was a loud band playing because like they had muted it out somehow on the mic. And so it looks like I'm just, I totally lost my train of thought. I definitely like, you know, did not say everything that I wanted to say, had a few stumbles and I ended up doing like six more hits that day. And so I was able to brush it off in the moment. But when I got home and was laying in bed that night, even though I was exhausted, I just couldn't sleep because you know, you're going over everything that you did wrong and you're thinking, gosh, how, how could I even have done that? And it's the worst feeling in the world. I wish I could say, just, you know, take a, a do something and it's all, you're not going to sit there and worry about it. But at the end of the day, you can't worry about it. You can view it one of two ways. You can let it cripple you or you can be thankful that you had that experience because you know that when you do encounter that next time, you've got some sort of tool to get you back on track. And I'm glad I'm now can look at it from a place that I'm glad that I had that experience because I know that I won't make that mistake again. And I needed that experience in order to continue my growth. So you can't let, and 
at the end of the day, how many people are sitting there watching your, like really overanalyzing your every stumble? It's probably just you. So you can't, you can't, everybody's a football fan. Everybody's a sports fan. You can't let people, you can't, you can't let yourself believe that people are, you know, watching that intently and judging you that harshly as you are. It's always way worse in your head than it really was. That's very, very true. For getting better, though, is there anything that you do? I, I've heard that you like watch back clips, but when you're watching it, how do you actually bring that to the table the next time that you're on air and be like, okay, I know I need to, example, talk slower. Is there something that you say right before you're about to go on air to be like, okay, let's really work on this right now? Mm, I, I always try and tell myself, like, especially before in case you missed it shows because they are only once a month. Um, I always have to remind myself to, you know, have double the amount of energy because you feel like you've got so much energy up there, but of course a screen takes away 50% of it. So even though you feel like you've got tons of energy and you feel like you're being way over the top, really, you're going to come across as very bland. So you've got to really remember to like really bring out tons of energy. And it's, it's definitely different when you're talking to somebody versus you're talking to a screen because you feel like you've got you know, you're a crazy person talking like this, but in reality, you've got to be a hundred times bigger than you would normally be in everyday life. And so that's something that I always try and remind myself and to just honestly, to just have fun because I've noticed the shows that I have more fun and I'm able to laugh at myself and just, you know, think about it as a perspective as like, as how you would want to watch somebody if you were watching the show. And so that always helps me a little bit and kind of gets me into a more, I don't know, like conversational, just, you know, I'm talking to friends type of show. And those are always the best. I'm going to have to remember that because I've never really thought about how the screen does kind of take away that from you. So I'm definitely going to use that tip next time I am on air whenever that will be. But for in case you missed it, too, I heard also in another podcast episode that you don't get to watch the videos when you're filming it. Is there anything else that people may not know about your job? Um, you know, I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's pretty, it's pretty, nothing super, super, super special. Of course, it probably looks a lot more glamorous than it really is. Um, like our, our news, our news desk, it's, it's a pain in the butt to even get like the mic up your dress if you are wearing a dress without without flashing that entire newsroom. So of course, like there's always those little minor things or like walking in heels on stage can sometimes be a little bit more painful than of course we lead on to believe. (laughs) As for the teleprompters on up to the minute, is there any tips for reading a teleprompter? It's one of the things I feel like I struggle with a lot because you know, when you're just talking off of what's top of mind, you have a lot more personality, but when you have a so much more personality, it's, it's much, it's, it's something that I've never, like, I don't think that anybody can fully master it unless you're really just genuinely talking. You're never going to have that same charisma and, you know, you're not going to really feel like you're connecting with somebody and just talking with them rather than talking to them. And so I think that there's my biggest trick and my biggest piece of advice there for that is to make sure that you are always, always, always reading your own writing, because when you're reading somebody else's writing, you're never, it's never going to sound authentic and organic. And like, it's words that are coming from your own mouth. It's just going to feel like you're reading something. I've heard that some people do like bullet points in a teleprompter. Have you ever tried that? Yes. And I think that that's definitely one way that you can do it. It's really tough to do it for that. If you have, it depends on the timing of your news, news updates. So like, I think that's a great way to do it if you have like five minute updates, but when you're on a tight 60 second, like update, it's really tough to do bullet points because you tend to ramble just a tad. And like, you're trying to get the most information in there as efficiently as possible. Interesting. I'll have to remember that too. And thank you for the little tidbit there. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, I guess another thing is what's something that you always have to have when you go into work with you besides like a water. cell phone or oh, my water? Fa- my mouth gets so dry. Interesting. Yeah. So I always have to have water and I'm not the biggest water drinker like outside of work. So I have to like remind myself to drink water when I'm not at work. So that's definitely my key, key item to have is chapstick and water. Do you notice a huge difference? Because I'm not a big water drinker either, but do you notice a difference when you don't drink water? I actually just took a sip. <laughs> um, 
Yes, I do. My mouth gets so dry and I feel like I'm just, it's painful to even speak because you, all you can think about is how much you just want a sip of water. Very true. Now I'm like, I need to get some water in here. Uh, My last one is what's the best advice that you've ever gotten? And maybe not advice that, you know, is kind of the stuff you hear all the time, like just be yourself, be natural. But is there anything else that really comes to mind when I ask that question? Yes, I would say that your biggest competition is yourself. If you sit there and try and compare yourself to what other what others in the fe- your field or any other field are doing or have done or jobs that they're getting that you're not getting, you're never going to be happy because that you're constantly going to be comparing. So it's so important, especially in this field where it is very, it is very competitive and it's very reflect. I feel like you're constantly being, you know, critiqued and judged. It's important to stay true to who you are and focus on the things that you can control and be happy for the opportunities that others get, because that just means that there's going to eventually be more opportunities for you that are a better fit. Really good. I know I said that was the last question, but this one sparked another uh, question. Social media, how do you deal with the negative people that happen to jump on and want to comment and do something rude? You know, I, it's a good question. And that's one area where I just kind of, I, I've learned, I've like, it's taken years, but now I don't even let them affect me. Like, I'm like, oh, well, they think I look, you know, they're either really like gross comments where I don't even know the things that these guys are saying that they want to do to you (laughs) or they're mean. And both of them, you just can't let that, you can't let that bother you. The date, like the things that I get more, I spend my energy worrying about are like, if I mess up on air Mm -hmm. and then they say something that's going to make you feel 10 times worse because you know that you actually did something wrong. But like for, in terms of like posting a picture of, you know, something funny or like, you with your friends and you get like mean comments from that. Like, it's just not even worth your time. You just, you just learn quickly to ignore that. How do you not let the, the times that you do mess up on camera and somebody coming back to you and saying something, how do you not let that affect you? Or, I mean, that's probably almost impossible to do, but is there it's any definitely impossible, but I would say like kind of what I was saying earlier is look at it as like a blessing and be thankful for that opportunity to make that mistake because you know that you're not going to make it again in the future. And in order to get past that and in order to continue your growth and your trajectory, you needed to go through that. And so I'm glad that I went through that now. So I know that I'm not going to make that or hopefully not make that same mistake in the future. That's true. Well, Taylor, I can't thank you enough for taking the last 50 minutes out of your life to sit down and talk to me. Yes, of course. No, I, I love, I love, chatting so thank you for thinking of me yeah you gave so much great advice to both myself and hopefully some other young broadcasters in the industry so thank you and hopefully football is up and running before we know it Uh, hopefully I know we're all holding on to that glimmer of hope when the schedules were released but I think that fingers crossed everything will be on a schedule yes hopefully fingers crossed well Taylor thank you again I hope you enjoy the rest of your day enjoy that nice California weather (laughs) thank you so much have a great one hope you enjoyed this episode I'm so lucky that Taylor took some time out of her day to chat with me hope everyone is still staying safe and healthy I know I've been saying that for the last couple of weeks however I do hope you're doing really well until next time I'm Rachel Vigil and this is the sports and stilettos podcast